Kristen, one of the movies on our list today is The Big Short, Adam McKay's film about the financial crisis, the 2007 to 2009, roughly, uh, housing and financial crisis that uh, basically decimated briefly the American economy, uh, pulled the rug out from under uh, the housing market, uh, uh, led to a bailout of the banks uh, that we were all paying for, that we were all on the hook for. And then everybody um, we knew was laid off. And then everybody we knew Seriously. was laid off in journalism for sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> or suddenly our contracts weren't renewed. Yeah. My, oh, yeah. I, I would say me and maybe about 20% of my friends. I will just tell you right now, that's the reason I got my job. Uh, at Newsday is because of the financial crisis. Newsday went through a crunch. Everybody took the buyouts on the film department. There was literally no one left. Oh, my gosh. And they put their hand on my shoulder and said, you're it. Wow. There you go. Rafer, so you actually came out of the crisis okay. I liked... You kind of came yeah. out ahead, actually. I don't, like to, I don't like to think that I capitalized on it. How, 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 did, how did you do in the housing crisis? I, I kind of capitalized on it. What do you mean, I'll Kristen? Just, I'll just say the truth. I did. So I'd been doing a lot of research, a lot of investigating, you might say. I was reading a lot of the newspapers that... Uh, like the economist and so on. Newspapers that weren't overly optimistic, but, you know, they were saying very frankly, the Financial Times and so on, they were saying, this is not going to last. This bubble is going to burst. This is when we predict it's going to burst. So if you don't want to be caught up in all this nonsense, sit out the market or buy and sell in the next two years. So I took that very seriously and I bought and sold in two years. Is that right? Yes. I bought extremely, at an extremely lucky time, and I sold at an extremely lucky time. Kristen, you're like the guys in the movie. You're like, you're like the guys in the big short. They saw they saw the housing crisis coming. They bet on it, and they capitalized on it. Well, here's what I don't understand. Every foreign newspaper, every foreign magazine, that was the cover of them every single day. Ah. This is about to burst. I don't understand why everyone in the U.S. was confused thinking it wasn't going to happen. I can, I can perhaps explain that, or at least the big short may also have a little commentary about that very thing. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, plus two other films, The Lady in the Van, a new comedy starring Maggie Smith, and In the Heart of the Sea, maritime adventure from Ron Howard starring Chris Hemsworth. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Kristen, give us the rundown. No, that's the wrong word. Give us the plot of Lady in the Van. Ah. Rundown and van seem like the wrong, <laughs> the wrong thing to put together. Or are they? Uh-oh. Oh, hey. There is something about a rundown in this movie, but I'm oh. not going to tell you what it is. Okay. All right. So in Lady in the Van, we're hearing the mostly true story. At least that's the language that they like to use at the top of the movie. Yes, the I, most- know that. I know that title card. Yes. The mostly true story of a writer who is named Alan Bennett in England, and he is living in a nice middle-class suburban area, and one day he looks out, and lo and behold, there's a woman, an older woman, living in a yellow van in his driveway. Mm -hmm. And now most of his community is used to this woman. They see her come and go, but she seems really intent on staying in his driveway, staying and staying and staying and staying until 15 years have passed. Wow. Now, they have kind of an unusual relationship. There's a little bit of kindness between them, but then they also have to put up with each other, and then they're a little bit mad at each other. He's a little bit of a caretaker, but he's also very put upon. Here's a clip. What are you doing looking at my things? Well, I, I, I thought you might be ill or dead. 
dead, me? I was concerned. You were losing. I haven't seen you. I'm sorry. I'm not dead. You'll know when I'm dead. I'm sorry. Dead, me? So, Reefer, you know I tend to be a little bit suspicious of these kinds of movies. Um, a well-to-do writer is going to learn something from a poor elderly woman, and yeah. then everything's going to be fine in the end. I'm a little suspicious already. Yes. So I'm suspicious of those movies. I think they're a little bit tidy. I think they're a little bit classist. But I think that this movie has one thing to its advantage that keeps it from completely going down that road. Down that road. <laughs> ah, <laughs> stop road. it. Okay. Stop it. Hey. And that is Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith, she's just wonderful. She plays the lady in the van, Miss Shepard. And Miss Shepard has an interesting background. She's uh, been a nun. She's been a concert pianist. She's been, mm, I don't want to give it away, but maybe on the wrong side of the law. Mm -hmm. And I think what Maggie Smith brings to this isn't just the great Maggie Smith acting and the great Maggie Smith personality. Every time she's on screen, you're just like, wow, I love you, Maggie Smith. This is why you have a dame in front of your name. Right. You are a dame. You are terrific. But I think something else that this film has to its advantage is that anytime it starts going toward that place of, oh, I'm going to learn so much from you about life and about myself. Yes. Anytime it gets close to that, Maggie Smith's character, Miss Shepard, stops it right there and she says, don't you let me just be another lesson for you. Ah. I'm not just going to be one more subject and one more play of yours. You're a soft little writer, and if you want to write about stuff, come up with your own ideas. She makes it really clear that she doesn't want to be just a punchline in his story, even though she kind of is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the fact that Maggie Smith is really calling him on it and calling the audience on it makes it feel a little bit better than it could have. And so you say good date? I'm going to say it's an okay date. I'm not going to say it's an outstanding date. It's not the best date of the year. I think it's a pleasant afternoon matinee date. I wouldn't go out on a date night with this, but bring a friend on the uh, on a Sunday afternoon, and, and you're going to be pretty pleased, I think. All right, Rafer, let's move on to a different kind of class movie, not about a poor woman in a van and a well-to-do writer, but people who are dealing with the housing market during that horrible crisis. We're talking about The Big Short, uh, a surprising film in a lot of ways from Adam McKay, who is best known for his Will Ferrell movies like Anchorman. And here he's uh, uh, got a comedy drama, I would say, and a very angry one about the housing market uh, in 2008 collapsing. And this is uh, a true story based on Michael Lewis's book about a group of what I guess you might call financial outsiders, kind of independent voices in the banking industry who see the crisis coming. Uh, they see the writing on the wall and they decide, even though everybody else thinks they're nuts, they decide to place massive, massive amounts of money, a bet essentially, that the whole thing is going to collapse and they will profit and make quite literally hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars if the economy tanks. Here's a clip. I work for the bank. I don't think like a bank. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. Let me put it this way. I'm standing in front of a burning house, and I'm offering you fire insurance on it. A's, zero. B's, zero. Double B's, zero. Triple B's, zero. And then that happens. What is that? That's America's housing market. So that's Ryan Gosling playing Jared Vennett, who is a, a fictional version of a real person. Uh, that's his Jenga tower that he's got there. And he's demonstrating what is going to happen to America when this whole thing comes tumbling down. Uh, it's actually a very good scene. So hold on. I have to ask you a question here. Yeah. So he's explaining how this is all going to come down. But 
Am I not mistaken that we have people like Selena Gomez also explaining it and, and, and pop stars and so on? Because you are correct. I, I'm seeing all of their names here. In right. You're, seeing, right. You're, you're confused by the credits. <laughs> yes. Uh, I understand what you're saying. What you have here is a, a, a central group of people. Uh, Brad Pitt is one of them. Uh, Christian Bale is another. Who's uh, Christian Bale is actually sort of the, the, the one of the heroes of the story, I think, in a way. He's the guy who really sees it coming from the get-go. Um, so Steve Carell, Brad Pitt, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, great cast. Um, these other people that are in the film, Margot Robbie, Selena Gomez, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain, um, are celebrities that Adam McKay brings in just to kind of, he just halts the narrative and someone will say, here to explain collateralized debt or, you know, collateralized debt to you, Selena Gomez. And so Selena Gomez will explain to you how this market works. Or, really? you know, uh, here to explain the housing crisis is Margot Robbie in a bathtub. And she'll be sitting in a bathtub with some champagne explaining things to you. So hold on. Is this just a comedy? I'm confused. Is it well, a drama? Is it a... I think you've hit upon one of the movie's problems, which is that it is, in, in terms of its tone and its style, it's really just all over the map. It's kind of farcical. It does a lot of fourth wall breaking. People speak to the camera. You've got these celebrity cameos that pop up in a kind of a, I don't know what, a kind of skit type way. Um, but then you've got the real story, which is almost like a heist movie because it moves really fast. It's funny. It's interesting. You're inside this rarefied and very impenetrable world of high finance. But then you've also got this very sincere and angry and outraged drama in which these characters, these these guys who are betting against the economy, are, are heroes because they are supposedly fighting against the big banks. And when push comes to shove and the banks begin to realize, oh my God, these guys were right and now we owe them millions, we're going to see if we can wiggle our way out of this and game the system a little bit. And then our heroes get outraged by this I will say I find it a little hard in a in a uh, a moral in a gut on a gut level to root for these guys. I find it a little difficult to root for someone who has placed a two hundred million dollar bet on the uh, the housing market collapsing and people being turned out into the streets out of their homes. And it doesn't really impress me so much that he's right about it anymore. Now I just feel like well, but we all still we still lose and you still win. And when you're angry about the banks folding and then getting bailouts and then becoming, you know, rich once again, I kind of feel like, well, how is that any different from you? I don't understand why the banks are the villains and you're not. Do you know, kind of know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. It's a it's a I, I attended up. You're almost worse than a bank at that point. Well, in a way, I attended a, 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 a Q&A with uh, many of the actors and uh, Brad Pitt and Adam McKay. And one thing Adam McKay said that did interest me was he said, you know, these guys were just doing their job. They're not journalists. Um, they were people who are raising a flag, uh, you know, pointing this out to the financial industry. They were the outs the outside voices in a way. And the only thing I could kind of compare that to in a kind of a, when you're talking about sort of balancing what you know is right and what you feel is right is maybe defense lawyers, right? There's there's a part of you that says those guys are gross because they're always defending murderers and pedophiles and, and all these horrible people. But at the same time, you know in your mind intellectually that those guys are also one of the pillars of the American justice system and it wouldn't work without them. 
So maybe that's what these guys are in the big short. Maybe that's sort of what their function is. I just still found it a little hard to feel outraged on their behalf when they don't get their $500 million because everyone else has a house no more. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It just it didn't quite sit well with me. I still think it's fun. It's entertaining. Some great acting. Christian Bale is great. It's interesting and it's somewhat educational. I am mixed. I'm very mixed. It's a, it's a, it's a mixed date for me, Kristen. That's all I can tell you. It's it's a little a little infuriating, kind of fun, worth seeing, but I think people will agree that it's a little a, a kind of a kind of a a muddle in a way. Mm, I don't know if I want to go on that date. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to this big swashbuckling ocean adventure. It's called In the Heart of the Sea. So this is Ron Howard's newest movie, and it's based on a real event that happened. The Nantucket Essex, which was a whaling ship in 1820, it went out there on a routine expedition, and before you know it, things go very, very, very badly. There's a giant whale. It seems to have almost a sense of vengeance. It's like like chasing these guys down, it almost feels like, or at least that's how they're sensing it. It feels as though they're being chased down. Their whaling ship is destroyed. They end up out in these tiny little boats floating around for months trying to survive. Here's a clip. A whale, sir. It stove the ship. What? We lost Easton and Sanborn. The pumps are useless, sir. Prepare to abandon ship. We can't row away home. Gonna have to strip her of his sails and Jimmy rigs something. I shall give her as much food and water as he can carry. That's Chris Hemsworth as uh, first mate Owen Chase. He's a uh, he's from a landsman family. He's sort of the he's he's done he's spent his entire life on whaling ships, but no one will let let him forget that he's from a farming family. And his captain uh, Pollard is a well-born uh, sort of silver spoon type who comes from a, a very wealthy whaling family. Um, so they've they've got a little clashing going on on this ship. But of course, as you say. They have bigger problems to face eventually when a, a whale the size of their ship attacks them. Um, as you said, this has got this has got a, a, a little bit of a, a literary backstory. It was one of the inspirations for Herman Melville, and one of the things I liked about this movie, even though I think it's not true, is uh, this framing device where Herman Melville, played by Ben Wishaw, who I love. Uh, walks up to the door of a Nantucket Inn. It's a dark and stormy night. He knocks on the door. He's desperate to talk to the man inside. And the man inside is played by Brendan Gleeson, who I also love. Love him. And he is going to tell Herman Melville this horrible story. He's the last survivor of the Essex, and he's going to tell him his story. And it's very corny. That's a very corny framing device, which usually I, I abhor. So cornball. And I hate those kinds of things in movies, but for some reason... This one just hooked me, and I was hooked from the start, and I had a great time at this movie. I thought it was just an old-fashioned, swashbuckling, maritime movie like they don't really make anymore with the, uh, the, the, the intense lighting that they, that they used to have back in Hollywood's golden age when someone's on a ship and there's, their face is lit brightly against <laughs> the clouds. Um, I thought the storm scenes looked great. I thought the whale looked good. And I, uh, I just had a great time. I love this movie from start to finish. It's, it's, I, it's on my top ten. Wow, near, really? N- near the bottom, but it's on my top ten. Interesting. Very, in- and very you? interesting. It is not on my top ten. I can tell. <laughs> 
Well, I have to agree with you, though, that the storm scenes are great. The whale looks great. All the stuff on the water looks terrific. And a lot of it feels very exciting, but some of it's just too cornball. That whole tell me a story about how you survive. Flashback, flash forward, flashback, flash forward. But not just that. This is a truly gruesome, harrowing story of survival where people are resorting to cannibalism, where people are for the rest of their lives suffering from PTSD and cannot talk about what they went through. But here it feels just a little too Disney. It's a little too pretty. It's a little too lustrous. And I wanted this to be more gritty, more gruesome, more along the lines of how horrible this was. I thought it was way too pretty. But then I think you'd have – I mean that doesn't – I mean – that doesn't sound like any fun to me. Having uh, like, a, a, you know what I mean? A, a really, a really gritty, realistic, uh, uh, bloody, un- unpleasant. Uh, There's film. nothing pleasant about cannibalism. Well, depends well, no, on who you ask. Some I people think, are into it, but I think, you know, <laughs> I like that cop. Um, <laughs> I think, I think this movie treats the subject um, sensitively, and I think that, and I think cannibalism is. Um, it's not a, a major part of the action that you see on screen, but it's a major part of the emotional resonance of the story. Brendan Gleeson's character is very reluctant to tell this story because he feels such shame and such horror about what he had to do to survive. Um, And I think that's handled very well. And I also like um, the way that they wrap it up rather tidily, I agree, but the way they wrap it up in this kind of... um, there's a little touch of relevance to it. There's a little touch of, 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 of bringing us back into the modern world by, by, by making an analogy between the, whale, the whaling business, which supplied our cities with the oil it needs, and the modern oil business that replaced it. And, you know, the price we pay, the human price we pay in both industries. And I think it's, it's, it's nicely done. It doesn't sledgehammer you over the head with it. But it made, it made the, the tale seem fresh to me and relevant to me. And I loved that. I thought it was very masterfully done. Mm. Well, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. You did. Okay. I, I just thought it could have gone further, and I really wish it would have. So it was an okay date. An okay date for you. Great day for me. All right. Well, stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to see what the Hollywood Foreign Press considers a good date. We're going to talk about the nominations for the Golden Globes 2016. Stay with us. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Krista Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And you know what's on our Facebook page right now, Rafer? Tell me. All of those nominations for the Golden Globes. And we're going to talk about some of those in a minute. But if you want to see the full list of everything that's been nominated, television, film comedy, film drama, actors, actresses, all of that stuff. By the way, TV is a little bit of a strange category now because half this TV stuff's actually just like Netflix. And, yeah, no, I know. And, and it's, it's a whole new world of media now. But see the full list of things at Facebook.com slash podcast. And Rafer... Let's you and I go through some of the things that stood out to us about the nominations this year. Yeah. Well, I think the the first thing to note is the really strong showing for Carol, uh, a movie that we reviewed just recently. It's the romance between two women in the 1950s, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. What do you do on Sundays? Nothing in particular. What do you do? Oh, nothing lately. Maybe you'd like to come visit me sometime. You're welcome to. At least there's some pretty country around where I live. 
Would you like to come visit me this Sunday? Yes. Now, notably, Carol also swept the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, Rafer, and you are a voting member there. It did do very well there. It also did very well at the um, Screen Actors Guild Awards as well. Um, So that film seems to be pulling ahead at this early date in the campaign. But, you know, the 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 award season campaigns, it really is like the presidential uh, the presidential campaigns. And it all just comes together kind of the last minute, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're still we're still kind of far away. So Carol leads the way with five nominations. Um, Following that is The Big Short, which we just reviewed. Uh, the Revenant, the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, adventure epic in the frontier, which is not out yet. Steve Jobs. Uh, those all had four nominations apiece. Mm. So, Kristen, were there any big surprises to you this nomination, uh, this round of nominations? Well, I have to say I was surprised by a couple of the weird categorizations of things and by at least one snub. One of those snubs, straight out of Compton. Hey, uh, officer, I'm sorry. What is going sir, on out here? Can you stay right there, please? We're trying to check these bangers, make sure they're clean. All right, I'm sorry. These are not bangers, okay? These um, these are artists. Excuse me, artists? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. What kind of artists? Rappers, and they're working with me in the studio right now. Well, see, rap is not an art. And I'm sorry, who are you? I'm the manager. Well, you're wasting your time, Mr. Manager. You gotta be kidding me. You're wasting your time? Really? These, these clients of yours, these yeah. rappers, yeah. they look like gang members. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. Straight Outta Compton, not not nominated for a single thing One here. of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. It's definitely on my top ten list for the year. It is a great movie, and it got uh, nominated for Best Ensemble Cast at the Screen Actors Guild Award, which is kind of, uh, it depends on how you want to slice and dice this stuff, but when people are looking to see what what might predict the Best Picture Oscar, that's one of them. The ensemble cast at the Screen Actors Guild Award is one of them. So there's straight out of Compton there. But you're right, here at the Globes, nothing. Yeah, and um, I, I also was surprised by, okay, a very notable category. You must be talking about the Best uh, comedy, comedy or Musical category, <laughs> which is always a delight. It's always a delight to see what they throw in there. Nebraska, Best Comedy or Musical. Yeah. This year? This year? What is it, Kristen? Tell us. The Martian. Right. Let's do the math. Our service mission here was supposed to last 31 souls. For redundancy, they sent 68 souls worth of food. That's for six people. So for just me, that's going to last 300 souls, which I figure I can stretch to 400 if I ration. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. Not a comedy, not a musical. No, don't get me wrong. I loved The Martian, but I never, ever, ever would have put this in, <laughs> in comedy musical. Ca- what? Now, Joy, what are people thinking? Joy is nominated for Best Comedy or Musical, and that one I kind of feel like, okay... Fine. Okay, it's kind of funny. I'll give it to that. You it's know, got a little those screwball David sensibility. Movies always have a little bit of exactly laughs to them. Exactly. The Martian is not a comedy, and it's clearly not a musical. It's a science fiction thriller. It's not. It's not a comedy or musical any more than two thousand one is. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's just. It's so. It's so odd that this is. I think this is one of the reasons that we tend to take the uh, the Golden Globes with a grain of salt, and that we regard them more as fun than anything. Yeah, right? I mean, it, isn't it the Hollywood Foreign Press? 
really just trying to see the biggest celebrities, and they kind of give the yeah. awards to anybody who schmoozes them the most. There That's, was that famous story of Pia Zadora yes. getting like actress of the for, year or for something butterfly, like that. I think it was. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's all, all because they wined and dined them just enough. And you know, they want they want them to show up. And I understand they want to spread some love and they want you know, The Martian was a big hit. It was a one of the year's surprise hits at the box office and they want to show some love to The Martian. I think the fact that it, it is there in that category means that it will win. That's that's what that says to me. Yeah, so the categories are all totally wacky. Yeah. But so are some of the people who got nods and Sometimes I look at the Golden Globe nomination list and I'm thinking, uh, did you not see that many movies this year? Did you only see five movies? So this is who you chose for every <laughs> like movie? Who? Like, like I, I love Lily Tomlin. She got a couple of nominations this year. Yes. One for Grandma and, and one for Frankie and Frankie Grace. Frankie and Grace, yeah. And, and that's great and all, but why did you get two nominations when there are so many other great actors out there who didn't get nominated at all? Like, like Tina like, Fey, Sisters, or, you know, I'm talking about comedies here. Yeah, okay, you all know, right. There are other people in comedies and musicals. Well, I mean, Amy Schumer got one, right, for Trainwreck? I am happy that she got that. I know you're probably not. Trainwreck was not one of I your mean, favorite movies of the year. I mean, I'm all bummed out about it, but I mean, you know, she's, she, you know, she's there. Melissa McCarthy is on there for Oh, Spy, I was very happy right? about that. Um, so, you know, I think, there, I think there are some people on there. I think, I don't know, I don't think they're uh, snubbing, snubbing anyone. Um, I was a little surprised that Kate Blanchett, if you were going to give two nominations to one person, yeah. I thought Kate Blanchett for Truth. Truth and for Carol. Yes, yeah. that I'm would a, have made a lot more sense to me if you're going to start giving out multiple nominations to people. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big champion of Truth. I love Truth. Um, but that got snubbed too, didn't it? Uh, truth also got snubbed. Yes, oh, indeed. Oh, I was... What? I was no, so people, surprised by that. I am really, I'm really one of the only people that has loved truth with all my heart. Uh, everyone else has been kind of lukewarm or sort of respectful about it. But no one else has really loved truth the way I have, I feel. I really liked truth. You liked truth. Yeah, yes. I know. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. So if you had to pick, Kristen, what would you say is going to win the best motion picture drama? I think Carol's going to win. Just based on all the awards it's getting everywhere else. But I think you and I both know Room is the one I love the most. Room is the one you love the you most. Know and it's up I there. Love Room. It's in the yeah. running. It's yes. on there. Yes. Um, what about you? Uh, I'm really glad to see that Mad Max Fury Road has oh, been nominated yeah, was... for Best Drama. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I was happy about that too. And I'm happy to see that Mad Max has, has gotten such critical love. It was voted um, Best Picture of the Year, period by the National Board of Review, which I think stunned everyone and I thought was fascinating. And uh, um, uh, uh, several uh, critics groups have also placed it either very high on their list or given it their number one spot, which I think is amazing. You know, when when Warner Brothers uh, first started floating the idea of Mad Max as an Oscar winner several months ago, I just thought, they're insane. And now yeah, look. People love this. People it's love it. It's on all sorts of top ten lists. And- it's on my top ten. It might be on mine, too. Really? It might be. Fascinating. <laughs> uh, but I would have to say, I think you're right. I think Carol is going to win. Um, and, and can I also just note, of these five movies that are nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama, yes. Carol, Mad Max, The Revenant, Room Spotlight, that three out of five are female-led movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. And that makes me very happy. Yeah. I think, I think, that's, I think that's great. Um, and so speaking of uh, females, who do you think is going to win Best Actress? Oh, Kate Blanchett. You think that's just a, a Yeah, a we have Kate Blanchett, Brie Larson, Rooney Mara, Cerise Ronan, and Alicia Vikander. You don't think Brie Larson's got a shot? You know, I love her. Yeah. And I loved her in Room. Yeah. And I would love it if she got this award, but I think Kate Blanchett's going to get it. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Um, best actor, here's who's up, Brian Cranston uh, for Trumbo, which made a huge showing at the SAG Awards. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, which people have not seen yet. Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs, Eddie Redmayne and The Danish Girl, and Will Smith in Concussion. If you had to choose one right now, Kristen, who's, who wins it? I think Eddie Redmayne's going to get it for The Danish Girl. I think Brian Cranston. Really? Yes, I do. Really? Yes, I do. And I, I say that, I say that um, not on uh, any merits or any, uh, any personal feelings. I don't really have a dog in the hunt on that one. But I just think that um, Trumbo has suddenly just kind of shot forward as the actor's movie. And I think looking at this whole list, it's probably going to be Brian Cranston. Runner-up for me uh, would be DiCaprio. I think he could win it for The Revenant. Mm, it's a very, very intense no, movie. No, I still think Eddie Raymond. A lot of acting, a lot of emoting in The Revenant. Without um, a lot of language. Without a, a lot, lot of language. A lot of looks. A I lot don't... of a lot of tearing animals apart and putting them in your mouth. Raw. Eating eating raw flesh. It's <laughs> actorly. And I think, uh, but I don't think Eddie Redmayne's going to get it. I think there's been a a, a, a kind of an, uh, a surprising uh, lack of enthusiasm for the Danish girl. And mm. I and I don't think I don't think Eddie Redmayne's really in the running there. I think mm. Brian Cranston. So we're so I think we're saying. Carol for best uh, best drama, Kate Blanchett best actor. Excuse me, best actress. You say Eddie Redmayne. I say Brian Cranston for best actor. And I think we can all agree that uh, best comedy, uh, best musical goes to The Martian. <laughs> oh, I love that song and dance number when he's growing potatoes. <laughs> too, so with, his, with his own poop. It's great. <laughs> it's just God. It's so great. So catchy. Um, all right. So Kristen, there's our picks. And now it's time to say goodbye with trivia. So last week we were talking about a movie starring Harvey Keitel called Youth. Youth, by the way, did get um, at least one nomination yes, also it did. for the Golden Globes. So Harvey Keitel, he frequently plays very intense characters. Yes. In Youth, he's playing a very egotistical filmmaker. In other films, he's played a very uh, stern criminal or stern cop. He's yes. frequently very, very, very intense. And we thought of a movie he's in where he kind of played something a little gentler, a little bit more against type. Here's a clip. What? What'd I do? Nothing, that's what. Couldn't some this crock of shit. Mr. Johnny. Aw. Soon I got a feeling about something, then. Yeah? I just want to ask your opinion. Do you think Thelma Dickinson would have committed armed robbery if you hadn't taken all their money? We asked you to identify that movie with Harvey Keitel, and here's the right answer. Hi, this is Mary Jo Marvetz from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I just uh, listened to your podcast. Um, the Harvey Keitel movie was Thelma and Louise, and I had to do a literal, oh my God, when I heard it. That was Brad Pitt in uh, the first time I ever saw Brad Pitt. I was much younger then. Anyway, what a great movie. It just pissed men off to no degree, which was a delight to all of us women. Love your show. Thanks. Bye. That's right. Thelma and Louise. You're, you're correct, Mary Jo. Very first, good. Yeah. First time many of us saw Brad Pitt, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And Harvey Keitel is so gentle in that movie. He just wants what's best for those ladies. Yeah, Those unusual. ladies on the run. He knows that those women have had to deal with some terrible stuff in life. So he's great in that movie. I love Thelma and Louise. Everyone should see it. I know you do. Uh, okay, so this week's trivia, uh, we were talking about uh, the lady in the van with Maggie Smith as a uh, homeless woman living in a van, or I guess you could say the van is her home. Um, and we thought, well, how many other movies involve a yellow van? And we could really only think of 
one that takes place largely inside that van. Here's a clip. Grandpa? Yeah. Am I pretty? Olive? You are the most beautiful girl in the whole world. You're just saying that? No, I'm not. I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your brains or your personality. It's because you're beautiful, inside and out. Love the Scooby-Doo movies. So good. No, hold on here. It's not Scooby-Doo. That's that's the mystery machine. And it's kind of a pukey green, as I recall. So it's not actually the mystery machine. No, this we're talking this movie is is involves a yellow van, if you know the name of it, and I'm pretty sure you all do. Give us a call, 5717 Movies. Or you can write to us at Facebook.com slash movie date podcast.